0: Open your Bibles as we read God's Word from Paul's letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be reading the last few verses of this chapter, beginning at verse 17, Philippians 3, verses 17 through 21. Let's hear now God's Word. Brothers, join with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is the word of God. There's an old spiritual song that says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. This world is not my home. Yes, but But are we to be so heavenly minded that we are of no earthly good? Sometimes it's hard for Christians to keep in proper balance the fact that we're going to heaven, but we're still here on earth. How do we how do we understand our responsibilities in this life, knowing that? The next life awaits us if we know Jesus Christ. Do we we become so heavenly minded that we don't care about what goes on in this world? Heaven's all I'm interested in and I can't wait for it. Or do we attempt to give all our attention to this life or do we find ourselves getting so immersed in this life that we don't really think about it? heaven and what our life is moving towards. It's a tricky balance sometimes. And that's why Paul here talks about the fact that we have as Christians a dual citizenship. Now, you know, in international, uh, in the international way of traveling and living in different countries, there are some people who have dual citizenships. They are citizens of two different nations, and they go from one to the other. They can have privileges in each one. They are officially a part of two nations at one time, and that's the way it was with the Philippians. Philippi was a Roman colony, and they lived in Philippi, and they were citizens of Philippi, but they also had a connection with Rome, the center and the the capital, if you will, of the Roman empire. And so they would understand what Paul is telling us here, that our citizenship is in heaven, but we're still waiting to go to heaven. We're still here in the world. Why do you think you're still living? Why do you think God hasn't already taken you to heaven? He's left you here for a reason. He's left you here to serve him. Now I want you to notice something very simple here uh, about this text. We can only touch on it. But first of all, would you notice in verse 17 that there is a standard by which we understand our dual citizenship. There's a standard that we can go by to, to see how we are to live as citizens of heaven, but we're still here on earth citizens of this world. Verse 17 says, Brothers, fellow Christians, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Paul says something very similar. He says, Imitate me as I Seek to imitate Christ And the word Imitate there is the word mimic We use that Usually in sort of a joking way You know we mimic somebody Uh, Those of you who remember my father Well my my son uh, Does a pretty good imitation Of Billy Uh, He's pretty good at imitating people And uh, he's he can say some things like uh, some of these phone calls he would get. Dad, I hope you don't mind this. Some of the phone calls he gets, he'll get on to them, or he would get onto them, and he would say, you're a scammer. And my son is pretty good at imitating him when he says that. Uh, Dad says, I know who you are. You're a scammer. We are supposed to imitate fellow Christians who are faithful and mature believers, not sinless ones. There aren't any. Paul would say that of himself. But to the extent that he's following Christ, that's what we're supposed to do. We all are called to follow Christ and imitate Christ. We are to be increasingly conformed to the image of Christ. That's what we call sanctification our spiritual growth in God's grace, becoming more and more holy. That's the standard. The standard is, the bar is very high. You are to be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect, Jesus said. Perfect means, the word perfect there doesn't mean sinless, it means mature. Be like Christ. People in this world, of course, find their own models to imitate. And those who aren't Christians look to other people who don't live such exemplary lives and they mimic them. Young people tend to to find someone that they want to be like. And if it's not Christ, it's not good. But we can have human examples of this. Paul says, follow us. He doesn't just say him, he says us there. And he's thinking, no doubt, of Titus, who was involved in this letter, and probably the uh, elders and the deacons of that church that are mentioned in verse 1 of chapter 1, elders and deacons. They were to be exemplary uh, models of the Christian walk. They were to be people who loved other people. They were to be people who who loved God above all else. They were to be people who who cared for others, people who uh, demonstrated the fruit of the spirit in their lives, follow us. That's the standard. Now, he says here that we should do that and we should keep our eyes on them who walk according to that example. Keep your eyes. Look carefully around you. Now, let's bring it to, to today. Look around you, not literally, but think about Christians that are good examples for you and seek to, to be more like them. For instance, if you know somebody who's got a great prayer life, <clears throat> who's very serious about prayer, then you know you're struggling with that, you could talk to them, ask them how they handle their prayer life and learn from that. Those are the kinds of things that ought to be going on all the time. So if you haven't done it, identify in your mind, right now if you can, one or two, maybe more people that you see as worthy examples you could even learn from them when they fail <laughs> and, and seek to benefit from that that's what Paul is saying here he had just given in chapter 3 his spiritual history Paul had and he's ending this chapter by saying you know, you need to, to be able to, to be pursuing holiness like I am now <clears throat> are we doing that observe other godly leaders now this is kind of a uh out of out of church example but i hope to make an application here this week beth and i went to see a a musical a little short hour-long musical that our granddaughter was in in school at first presbyterian day school in jackson where they live and we sat down and uh in comes the governor and his family, and they sit right in front of us. <clears throat> their son, or their daughter, was in the play too. But frankly, my granddaughter was a star. Anyway, <clears throat> but it got me thinking you know, usually when we see someone like the governor, we see them behind a microphone, and everybody's looking at him, and about the only impression they get of him is what he says from behind that microphone. Well, here was a situation where he wasn't really being the governor, he was being a dad. And so he and his wife and their other daughter were there and uh, with some other family members, and he was just being a dad. And it gave me a little bit, just a little hint of what his other life is like. But people tend to look at leaders Especially in a situation like that where you can say, okay, let's see what kind of person this is when he's not behind a microphone, when he's not doing something official for the state of Mississippi. And, uh, you know, it was just a little taste, but it made me think about this. We will look at other people for better or for worse, and we will find ourselves even subconsciously modeling them sometimes. Seek someone that you respect, that you see as a a healthy example of the Christian life and spend some time with them. Pray with them. Talk about issues in your life or in their life. Learn from them. Iron sharpens iron, right? And then... Not only seek one, but be one. Be an example. Be a model of holy, healthy Christian living in the real world. And if others approach you and, and uh, want to get some counsel from you or just talk about a, a situation, be available to them. That The standard is there for us. The other thing to note here, second thing is, in verses 18 and 19, even though there's a standard, there there are some people who live only as citizens of this world. Paul is saying we've got a dual citizenship, but people who aren't believers in Christ, they only have citizenship in one thing and that is this world. They, They clip off the idea of the next world or the next life and they live as if this life was all there was. To rephrase that hymn I was telling you about, that old song, the world, This World Is Not My Home, the people who live as citizens of this world would say, this world is my home. And only this world is my home. I'm going to pour everything in my life into this life with no regard to anything other than that. Maybe they're atheists. Maybe they're agnostic, where they just don't really know. Maybe they just have no interest in those things at all. They only go by what they can see and what they can do. Who are these people that Paul is describing here in verses uh, 18 and 19? And he says, there are a lot of them. (laughs) There are many of whom I've often told you and I tell you, even with tears, walking as enemies of the cross of Christ. That word walk is used to describe our way of living, our lifestyle, if you will. And it's either one that pleases God or it's one that doesn't. Paul says in Ephesians, walk as children of light, walk in the spirit and so on. Well, I think initially, or at least primarily, he's talking about those false teachers that he had mentioned earlier in chapter three. He's talking about what we call the Judaizers, those who came along and said, yes, you've got to have faith in Jesus, but you need to also submit to the Judaistic uh, uh, principles of worship in the Old Testament. Circumcision being a key one. Today, it would be sort of like believe in Jesus, And you have to be baptized to be saved. Harrison is not saved today because of the baptism. Baptism is a sign of salvation that he needs, and we all need. And so these these false teachers were uh, infiltrating or about to infiltrate the Philippian church. And Paul is thinking of them, no doubt, and he may be thinking of other Christians too, but the key is this. The description he gives here of them, and it's not a a flattering one by any means. The description is of people in the church. People who claim to be followers of Christ, but they're not. Look at their description. He says they're enemies of the cross of Christ. They're teaching a false gospel. And so he says their destiny. He tells us about their destiny. Uh, in verse 19, their end is destruction. That means when everything's said and done, here's what's going to happen for them, destruction. They're not just gonna die and cease to exist anymore, they're going to be eternally destroyed in hell. And so as he describes these people, these enemies of the cross of Christ, He he jumps immediately to where all this is headed for them. And that's going to be a contrast to where we're headed if we're believers in Christ alone. And he mentions their God. Their God is their belly. Now that's a pretty plain way of of making a, a, a description here. Their God is their belly. And what he means by that is their God is their own desires. Kind of like we want to eat certain foods to fill our bellies because we like those foods but here he's saying this is their god they worship and serve stuff things that make them happy things that that meet their desires and the the irony is it'll never be successful not totally they'll always be frustrated because Eternity has been put in the hearts of every human being. And if that that eternal need is not met through faith in Christ and a right relationship with God, then they're going to be confounded. They're going to be uh, angry. They're not going to be uh, truly happy and, and satisfied. They glory in this. They glory in their shame. That is, they boast in the sinful practices that they're involved in. And we see this happening in our country more and more uh, where sinful practices are flaunted and praised by those who do those things. And their their mind is on earthly things. That's where their focus is. 1 John says, do not love the world. He doesn't say, uh, don't enjoy the, the blessings that God gives you in this world. He's saying, don't love it supremely. Don't love the world or the things of this world because those things are passing away. They're not going to last. So you can't put all of your hopes in that. And our response to Such people, maybe it's surprising because Paul says, I tell you this, even with tears, verse 18. Paul takes no joy in pointing out the lifestyles, the mindset of people who truly don't have Christ in their lives. He doesn't think that he's better than them. He doesn't, you know, act like, well, you know, we're good people, they're bad people. What's our attitude towards people who live sinfully? Forget the whether they're members of a church. That's not going to get you into heaven anyway. Think about where their hearts are. Jesus, We read that in, in Matthew 6 a while ago. Where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. In response to all of that, verses 20 and 21 give us the answer for us. There's a huge contrast here with those people who live for this world. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Think about that. If you're a believer in Jesus today, your name is on the census roll of heaven. You already belong to heaven. You belong to the kingdom of heaven. Christ is the king and you're one of his followers. It's already there. We're not there in heaven yet, but we belong there. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And so there's two kinds of citizens. There are Christians uh, who are citizens of heaven and while they're living in this life they're citizens of this world too but they live a different lifestyle than those who don't know Christ Romans I mean Hebrews 11 I won't read it now but it talks about Abraham and other believers looking for the city that is in heaven citizens of heaven and they have this huge hope this huge contrast our citizenship is in heaven <clears throat> includes a huge hope. We eagerly await for the return of Christ. Think about um, a family that's reunited. Maybe a child goes on a trip uh, to another country and uh, they get uh, something happens, they get sick or, or something uh, doesn't work out and they need to come back home soon. They don't have a, a way to get home. The parents hop on a plane and come to get them. And you know that that child is eagerly awaiting their parents to come and take them home. That's what's happening here as Christians. Jesus is coming back to take us to heaven when we die. And then later with the resurrection. And he talks about that there. Just notice it, we can't get into it. We await eagerly await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Boy, what a hope we have. Our lowly bodies, you know, uh, our bodies don't always cooperate with us. And as we get older, usually it gets worse. And things don't work like they used to, we break down, we have You know, we break bones and all these different things can occur and and it's a tough thing. But that's not going to stay that way. Jesus is going to transform our bodies when he comes back. The same way that his body was transformed when he was raised from the dead. That is because we are in Christ. We are united to him through faith alone and him alone. What a glorious thing that's going to be. Now, because we know that our future is secure, we can serve God faithfully in the present. There's things for us to do. We want to expand the kingdom. We want to show the power of Christ in our lives. We want to give people the reason for the hope that we have in us. Lord Shaftesbury Uh, He's from a line of Lord Shaftesbury's that continues to this day, but he lived in the 1800s and he was a very prominent reformer in England. He reformed the way that work conditions existed. Being more, providing legally, he was a member of parliament. They provided new ways for people to to have decent work hours and conditions. And for orphans, he, he did so many things to make, Uh, the world better. And he was an evangelical Christian. And he said this towards the end of his life. I do not think that in the last 40 years I have lived one conscious hour that was not influenced by the thought of our Lord's return. Think about that. One hour, 40 years, I haven't thought about the Lord's return. Everything he was doing was being done in. Light of that there's a connection there that's why we that's the way we need to think through our balance between citizens of this world citizens of heaven citizens of heaven won't cling too tightly to the things of this world you see we won't, we won't worship those things we, we, won't, we, we can enjoy them we can value them to the proper extent but we cannot make them our God we cannot build our lives and hopes around them Citizens of Earth, as citizens of Earth, Christians will not neglect serving the Lord in this world. And so we have this responsibility now, this hope that awaits us for the future. Let me finish with just mentioning something that uh, Dr. Dennis Johnson, a, a seminary professor said, the city that defines your identity is neither the one in which you were born nor the one in which you were raised. It is the city towards which you are moving, drawn forward by the glory of the Savior and Lord Jesus, who already rules there in resurrection life. What kind of citizen are you? Do you see your dual citizenship as a Christian? You have work to do here to glorify God in this world and 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 be an agent of kingdom growth in your life and witness. You also have this wonderful future that is set for you when Christ redeems us completely. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the hope that you do give us through your word. We thank you that we worship and serve a savior who lives, who was crucified for our sins, and he rose from the dead, He will bring us to life and transform our lowly bodies to be glorified like his. Lord, we don't understand all of that, but we understand enough, and we thank you and praise you for your grace to us in Christ who died on the cross for us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.